Okay, uh, if you have a Bible near you, uh, so you should have one that looks maybe something like this. It's papered back in this fashion. We're going to be on page 806 in this Bible, Philippians 4, chapter 10, if you have your own Bible. Philippians 4, and I'm going to read 10 through 19, page 806. And this is Paul, who has written a letter to a church in Philippi, which is in north of Greece in Macedonia, one of the churches that he started in his ministry. And this is part of his letter to them. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know... In the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you helped, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, God, would you open our hearts to your word? Would you open our ears to your, your small, still whispers. We want nothing more than for you to speak to us and for us to be able to hear and just to respond. God, we want to be pleasing to you. We want to trust you more deeply. We want to, uh, to partner with you in your work in this world. And we admit that we don't know what our way is. We are so totally dependent on you for any good thing. And we're just so thankful for the way that time after time you provide for us. We just pray that as we have this conversation about Scripture and about storyline, that you'll be in our midst, that you'll test our hearts, and that you will you'll speak to us. In Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Last year, the U.S. economy plummeted into recession. Thousands have lost their jobs. Hundreds of billions of dollars were paid by taxpayers to try to keep the economy afloat. But none of that kept Wall Street employees from taking to their bank account more than $18 billion in bonuses last year. It's like overflowing almost. In the midst of our recession... There are people who are, who are getting laid off 
And at the same time, there are people who are getting billions and billions of dollars in bonuses. That's the same amount that Wall Street employees made in 2004 when the market was thriving. President Obama heard about it. He he called it shameful. That was his word for it. And hearing this kind of news causes us to grow suspicious, maybe even more suspicious than we already were about those who might abuse systems for money and for their own personal gain. Micah and I met with the leaders of an organization here in Dallas called Dallas Housing Authority uh, last week or the week before, and we wanted to talk with them about the ways that Storyline could partner with DHA, the Dallas Housing Authority, to serve people who lived in public government housing. And as we entered into the conversation, they began to grill us with a series of questions about what kind of services we provide and what our intentions were. And to be honest, I felt a little patronized by the end of this barrage of questions until one of our interviewers clued me in to what was going on beneath the surface of those questions. She said, about half the time when people come with the laud, that's how she said it, when people come with the laud, they're good. The other half of the time, they're after money. Not even the church is innocent of abusing money and being held in suspicion. I've been hesitant to talk about money in the last year with Storyline. A lot of hesitance has revolved around what I perceive to be and even share in this distrust when, when you make this combustible combination of money and religion. It's a touchy subject. It, it generates a lot of suspicion. I was concerned and have been concerned that people get the wrong impression and think that we're in this to make money. And so we've shied away from money talk because of such suspicion. Paul was dealing with a similar context when he wrote the letter to that church in Philippi. Notice the way in the text that we read earlier, he tries to balance gratitude and distance. On one hand, he wants to say, I'm so thankful for the gift that you've given me. But on the other hand, he's very careful to distance himself from their gifts by saying things like, I didn't wish for the gift that you gave me. I didn't, I didn't seek after the gift. That's not what I got into it for. He, he's very hesitant to perpetuate those kind of suspicions. And probably in the back of Paul's mind were these guys called charlatan philosophers who often hung out on street corners in places like ancient Philippi. And many of them gained followers who would not only listen to their teachings and obey their advice, but they would also support these charlatan philosophers uh, financially. And according to Lucian, who's a second century satirist, he says they collect tribute, they collect money going from house to house, or as they themselves express it, they shear the sheep. And they expect many to give either out of respect for their cloth or for fear of their abusive language. Paul wanted to avoid the cloud of suspicion that hovered around such philosophers. But in the same text, Paul points beyond his attempts to distance himself from that kind of suspicion. There is a reason, 
for talking about money, for even receiving money. There is a reason for doing that that outweighs any suspicions associated with those who would manipulate others for money. Let's read this text again, starting in verse 14. We'll go through 19. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles... Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintances with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice that's pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. The reason for talking about money that Paul identifies in this text, it's found in Paul's very cryptic comments about crediting their account. Now, what does that mean? What I want is for more to be credited to your account. Paul says, I don't desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. What's Paul saying here? Perhaps he's saying, like in many popular religious arenas, that if you give your money, if you give your money away and the bank account decreases, that somehow magically, uh, before you know it, your bank account will be replenished. If you deplenish it or decrease it, uh, God will provide for you or somebody will replenish it for you. Maybe Paul is talking about their bank accounts, their financial situation. But Paul, on the other hand, has just finished talking about how he's learned to be content, no matter if he's well-off or poor, and he gives no indication in this text about how that payment plan, that repayment plan will happen or who will pay them off or that God will give them the money that they gave to Paul. So perhaps he's talking about their relationship with God and the account that they have in their standing with God. Maybe he's talking about that. I mean, your faith only gets you so far after all, right? I mean, after a while, you've got to start doing good works to stay on uh, God's good graces and to be welcomed by God, to be loved by God further. I mean, belief will only get you so far. You've got to start serving the poor at some point. You've got to start um, living a life of compassion at some point. You've got to start being nice to your boyfriend or your spouse. Those acts of good faith, they kind of they build up your account with God, right? However, Paul, in other places adamantly defends how our relationship with God is not based on our merit, but on God's good graces from the beginning to the end. Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's not by works, but by the grace of God that we have relationship with God. Even more to the point, in Romans chapter 4, he talks about how when Abraham believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. He did not, when his faith earned him good standing with God, uh, it filled up his account to overflowing so that he had a good relationship with God. It wasn't anything that he'd done. 
Paul's point is that it's not the good things you do that give you relational status with God. It's God who gives you relational status with God. And all of us who have trusted the work of Jesus on our behalf in the death and resurrection of the Son, all of us who trust that have this account, and it's overflowing to the full. It's at 100% capacity, and there's nothing that we can do to decrease it because this is the overflowing grace of God on our behalf. So if it's not the bank account and it's not the God account, maybe it's a third account. This account is our, our spiritual journey. This is our progress in the faith. This is our, our maturation. This is our spiritual formation process. This account keeps tabs of how our lives have changed to look more like Jesus since we decided to follow Jesus. This is, to use one of Paul's big $10 theological words, this is sanctification. Literally, the process of being made holy. Uh, this journey, and maybe we call this the life change account, since life change is our equivalent value in the storyline community. So this life change account, uh, this journey is a response to God's work in us. It's a response to our God account. And all of us are at different points. I mean, some of us are down here, and it's not, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, especially if our God accounts are intact. But others of us are, are up here in our journey. Um, others of us are up here, you know, like Dickie Porsche right up here in the front row. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Uh, he's a saint, by the way, so don't let him fool you. Uh, we're at, all of us are at different points in the journey. All of our accounts are at, are at different places on the ledger. Our ledgers read differently. Some are higher, some are lower. None of us are all the way full yet. Uh, at least we won't be until God restores the world and restores us completely. But as our lives and our actions reflect the heart of Jesus, this account grows. It increases. The, the account produces something. This is the account. This life change account is the account that I think Paul is talking about when he says that generosity causes more to be added to one's account. Well, it was important for Paul to avoid suspicion concerning money. It was also important for him to point out the way in which generosity was an opportunity for life change in the hearts of Philippian Christians. The message puts Paul's words in this way. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. There is a blessing that issues from generosity. Had the Philippian church not been able to give help to Paul, it would have missed out on an opportunity for life change. Had Paul been too careful and accepted no support, which he sometimes did, they would have missed out on a chance to increase the account balance in their life change account. Paul's assumption is that as money leaves the bank account, as money decreases over here, the life change account increases. And we, we know from the teachings of Jesus that the opposite is probably true. The more we accrue in our money account, the more we hold on to, the more we keep for ourselves, it's probably the cones, uh, the, the less our life change account grows. 
the more wealth the more wealth we have, the more security we have that we cling to, the less life change we experience. Jesus says it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle. Paul wants it wants for the bank, this bank account to decrease and this life change account to increase. My friend uh, Micah Beck, not Micah Lewis in the back, uh, shared at Marvelous Light back in November about his journey from the darkness of greed to the light of generosity. And uh, he shared how he would always worried about how he would take care of his family. How will I be a good husband and provide for my wife? How will I provide for my kids to go to college? He hadn't even had kids yet, but he was, he was already worrying about this. Then, in an instant, Micah experienced something he thought would take all of those worries away. He made more money in one business deal than he had made in all of the business deals that he had had up to that point in his life. He thought all of his worries would go away, but they didn't. They actually intensified. He began having panic attacks and really freaking out. So he went to see his dad, very trusted friend and mentor uh, in the faith, and he, his dad had made it all, his own share of money. And so Micah told him about the money that he'd made and the struggles that he was experiencing and anxiety. And his dad said, here's what you need to do. You need to give a big chunk of that money away. Micah said, no, that's not the answer. Uh, give me your next piece of advice, please. Um, and his dad said, no, seriously. You're fretting and having this deep anxiety because you actually think that you're the one who's ultimately responsible for taking care of yourself and your family. Now, if you give a big chunk of that money away, then you will be 100% sure that it's God and not you who is providing for your family. And so Micah took his father's advice. He gave a big chunk of it away. And Micah describes this overwhelming sense of peace that flooded over him as he gave that money away. His panic attacks went away. The anxiety lessened. He grew in his faith. That is the kind of life change that we miss out on when we neglect the spiritual discipline of generosity. That's the kind of life change that we're robbing you of each time we're too shy to talk about generosity because it, of how it might arouse suspicions. And so for most of the remaining lesson, we want to share with you an opportunity to increase the balance in your life change account through generosity. We want to invite those of you who are regular participants in our community into the same kind of partnership that Paul shared in with the Philippian church because we believe that Storyline Christian Community is God's work. This is an embodiment of God's mission. This is a spiritually viable group of people. This is a cause worth supporting. And yet, at the end of the day, this conversation is about generosity in general more than it is showing generosity specifically towards God's work in storyline. It's more important for us to give, period, than it is for us just to give specifically to storyline. Any form of generosity will increase that life change account 
that we experience. And with Paul, we say, storyline is going to be fine. We're learning to be content no matter what the circumstances. God is going to take care of us. God will take care of this group. God will provide. We will be content. We can do it with all the strength that Jesus provides. So let me give you a little history about our organization, our body, our community, if you will, to give some of this partnership some context. And then I'll ask um, Ryan and Bruce to come up shortly. Uh, We entered into partnership with South MacArthur Church in Irving in the summer of 2006. And shortly after that, with the Richland Hills Church of Christ, both of those churches combined to support us for a period of apprenticeship where we worked with a few churches to prepare for what we're doing now. The Porsches worked at some churches in Dallas. We worked at some churches in uh, Tarrant County. And these churches committed to provide us funds in a church-starting kind of setting for salaries and for a working fund. And, And later, numerous individuals and Highland Church and Abilene also contributed to help round out our costs. And the plan for this community of faith is to be financially sustainable as a body at the end of 36 months, by which, financially sustainable, by which I mean not dependent on outside sources of money to continue to facilitate the ministry that we're doing, and not just to be able to pay for what we're doing, but also to have the capacity to send other people out to start new ventures like the one that we've started. We don't just want to start one. We want to start another that starts another, that starts hundreds, that starts thousands, that starts a revolution in Texas and in the nation and in the world. That 36-month period that I referred to started last February, and it will end in February of 2011. If you're here as a representative of South MacArthur Church or Richland Hills, will you stand up just briefly so that we can know who you are? Um, we want to thank God for you and for the churches that you represent and for the generosity that's poured from your hearts to make possible what we're doing. So we're, we're thanking God um, for you guys. You guys can sit, sit down. Uh, thank you guys for coming today. Um, we do have a small amount of fundraising left from outside sources, but we've been able to raise almost, by the grace of God, 90% of what we initially set out to raise, and that is the work of God dropping it in our laps. Uh, we've raised about $373,000 out of our total goal of $420,000 for our first three years. And here's the money that we expect to receive from outside sources over the next 36 months. Um, last year, we received 197000 Next year, or this year, we'll receive 136, and the next year we expect to receive 87,000, and then zero. The the hope is that as as Storyline grows as a community, the outside sources of of funding will decrease as the inside sources of funding increase. Let me make an important point before I hand off the baton. Financial sustainability, the ability to pay our bills as a community, if you will is not the point. That, that is secondary to the point today. It's secondary to this conversation. Our primary goal is dependence on God, mission, life change, 
and genuine relationships. It's connecting with the disconnected and the downtrodden. And we want to be financially sustainable as a body because it will help us to continue to do those things well. And as a matter of fact, Storyline is already sustainable in so many ways. We are right now the church. We have been this year an embodiment of the kingdom regardless of the amount of money that comes through internal offerings. So Ryan, why don't you come and spend a little time just talking about how we've spent our money up to this point. Um, It's God's money, really. How we're stewarding the money that God has given us for the sake of mission. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I want to share just very briefly about uh, our budget for 2009 for this year. Uh, Last year we had a lot of one-time startup costs. For instance, the equipment that we're using today and also our website. And uh, I mean, I I could list several things. There were a lot of big expenses just in the first year that don't exist this year. So I want to tell you about the budget two different ways. The first way... Hello. I think I'm just going to hold this so that it's a little easier. Uh, Okay, the first way I want to tell you about the budget for this year is in terms of our four values. So that you can see uh, the money that we have, to some degree, it goes towards those four things. And uh, of all the money that we have, I mean, we're... We're excited and pleased that the majority of it, almost an entire third, is going toward mission. And uh, I can, uh, you know, dependence on God is is another way of talking about worship. And one of our spiritual formation retreats, uh, a little bit of house church is involved in that. Mission includes uh, our hospitality events, uh, another one of our retreats, uh, and a lot of the justice initiatives that we do is covered in mission. Genuine relationships, easy for me to say, uh, also has some with house churches and uh, hospitality events. They're, they're kind of mixed and matched. And life change, of course, uh, has to do with the Marvelous Light Retreat and uh, formation groups and just other things that contribute to that. Uh, the second way I want to explain the budget is to break it down in different categories. The first category is ministry. And in ministry this year, we expect to spend about $27,000. And that's that's an exciting number for a group this size to be putting more than two grand a month directly toward ministry. I I think that's that's a pretty cool number. Uh, And by ministry, I mean house churches, justice initiatives, hospitality events, our children's ministry, our retreats, our leadership development, our worship gatherings, and future church planting. As Charles said... Uh, financial sustainability is not just that we can do our thing, but we want to give to let others be able to start new communities of faith. Last year, in fact, when we were less than a year old, uh, in total, we gave over $2,000 towards future church planting. And this year, we expect that number to probably be at least double what we give to future church planting. Uh, That's ministry. The second category of three is administration. 
and this includes fundraising expenses, uh, our little office space, our, just some supplies that we need on an ongoing basis, printing. It includes our website, uh, not just the design of it, but also just that it, it's hosted and it has a place to live, if that makes sense. And uh, also, there are some legal fees connected to being a nonprofit organization. There are some legal needs that we have to be uh, uh, above reproach with. And also, we have some insurance needs as a church that we want to we want to be protected. We want to take care of everybody and just be above board there as well. So there are some administrative needs that totals about fourteen thousand dollars. Can you all see? Am I on your way? Uh, lastly is uh, the category of staffing, and this year that amount is going to be about 110000 And what that includes is that includes the payroll for Charles and myself. That includes uh, some money that we pay Patrick and Patrick's video company for some of the video work that he does for us. That includes coaching that uh, we receive on a weekly basis. It includes literature and resources like books and things that we learn from as, as we try to make good decisions. Uh, it also includes um, a little bit of money for conferences and enrichment events. We usually do um, uh, one or two or three uh, conferences and enrichment events. Uh, many of you know Claudia and I went to Orlando. Our registration fee was covered by Storyline so that we could go to that event. Uh, now, one important thing that I'd like to mention about this staffing item is this number includes a commitment that our families have already made to Storyline for this year. And that is that uh, beginning this fall, Charles and I are going to be seeking some additional part-time jobs to help uh, provide some income for Charles and I so that we do not so that we can uh, support our families without uh, drawing an entire salary from storyline alone so that's that's a part of the commitment that our families have made uh, to help with storylines finances um, we uh, obviously we care a lot about storyline and we're going to do whatever it takes to pour our lives and make sure that uh, that God's work is done and that people who are disconnected have a chance to be reconnected. So I think you're feeling me on that. Um, so I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention uh, to keep in mind, of course, that the administration and the staff line items facilitate ministry. Uh, so don't be confused by, you know, ministry is only that and these others don't really amount to that, those things help to facilitate the ministry that we do. Uh, I wanted to point that out. And uh, finally, I wanted to mention briefly that there is uh, some intentionality behind having two staff members. Uh, In the Bible, when Jesus sends out some of his disciples, he sends them out in groups of two. And we have really benefited from the different strengths that our families bring to the table and uh, being able to share the responsibilities of teamwork. In fact, we have said dozens of times over the last year, I can't imagine our doing this without you guys. Uh, it's, it's just a lot, uh, it's a lot to do, especially in the first year. Uh, so I, I wanted to mention that. At this time, I'd like to invite Bruce to come and uh, share a couple of things with us. Some of you do not know this. Uh, Bruce is a professional financial guy, 
And shortly after he joined the Storyline community, we invited him to help us with our finances. So I'm going to let Bruce share a couple of things about what that looks like for him. Thanks, Ryan. Um, my name is Bruce Kennedy. I am an accountant, um, as, as a professional guy, as you say. <laughs> I'm an accountant by trade as a whole. Um, part of the thing what I do is something called internal auditing for the for storyline. It's not like internal auditing like an accountant, like an accounting firm would do as a whole, but in general, I pretty much kind of maintain the integrity of what Ryan and Charles are doing as a whole with the money that they're spending, uh, what monies are coming in, coming out. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now. Right? They're great guys, and you know, there's no, there's nothing going to be like a, a Bernie Madoff thing here. No, no accountant Luxembourg or anything like that. I'll, that's what I'm here for, <laughs> as a whole. But as a whole, um, my, they've asked me to bring uh, some form of accountability to what they're doing. And what does that really mean? Um, I've kind of guided them and I've asked them to do some certain things, um, particularly with the monies that are coming in. One example is if there's a certain amount of money that's being spent over a certain amount, both people, both of them have to sign off on that. Not like one person is going to do this or do that and then we're, we're thinking, no. Everything has to be accounted for and that's what they're doing as a whole. And I've also been with part of my financial background, I've told them a couple of things to do. Uh, within the organization, and uh, that's how I help them out. Another way I help them out is what monies that you come in, I count them with them. Usually right at the end of the month, I'm with Ryan, and we go through whatever's come in and make sure everything's accounted, go in, put it on a deposit book and everything. We are two signatures. I was, again, doing with twos, as what um, Ryan said, yes, that's what we're doing as a whole. And uh, in essence, finally, uh, I know what it says. Oh, yeah, most important. <laughs> um, when the bank statements come in and um, the, once the account is reconciled, I kind of go over that the same thing, too, because I'm not sure exactly what, you know, all the money that's being spent or whatever's coming in, but if there are any questions, you know, I look at things, okay, I, I know that, I know, what is this? That's what's going on and stuff like that. Man. That's, in essence, what we do, what I do as a whole. I mean, God is a great accountant. His accounts are always balanced. <laughs> I have to make sure that all the accounts here are being balanced <laughs> as well. So that's what I do. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, Bruce has the keys to our generosity boxes. Uh, so when we, when we count the money and everything, he, he has to be there uh, to do that. So we really appreciate the accountability that uh, Bruce holds me to. <laughs> As he does. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple more things, and then I'm going to hand it back to Charles, I believe. Yes. The other couple things are, uh, as you know, we have representatives of our sponsoring churches. We have some people in those churches that uh, provide that provide resources for me, like when I have questions about finances or how some of that works. Uh, my dad, in fact, is a professional church administrator, and so I'm not going to lie, I, I tap him when I have questions. There's someone at South Mac that I ask for questions. Also, Mission Alive, the group that helps facilitate church planting that we're connected to, they have a tax attorney on staff. So we also have an attorney that we're able to ask questions and that help us. And finally, we have an excellent insurance agent who specializes in insuring churches. 
And he has been wonderful to make sure, even at less than a year old, we had better coverage than a lot of churches do. <laughs> so uh, he is he is helping us to have the right kind of stuff in place, and that's just a wonderful blessing. So I, I just want you all to know that we have great resources to hold us accountable to make good decisions. So with that, I hand it back to Charles. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we're seeking to be financially sustainable by February 2011. And for that to happen, out, uh, inside offerings, those, by, those that are given by participants in our community, will need to increase as outside offerings decrease. So here's some good news. Many of you are already giving toward the work of God, toward the cause in this community, and we give thanks to God for you because in just uh, eight months last year, this community gave $20,000 to the ministry of Storyline. We, we gave $20,000 together for the, worst, for the work of God. Um, here, here's just one scenario in which we might continue down the path of financial sustainability. If the community gives $50,000 this year and $100,000 next year and the year after that gives 200000 then we're, we're in the clear. And a lot of those ministry costs are, it's not growing a whole lot because we're, we're decentralized to the extent that lots of the stuff that we do right now in terms of ministry costs, it's not going to change whether we're a community of 100 or 200 or 50. Um, we're, we're spread out such that um, we don't have a lot of internal centralized costs. We try to push those out into the midst of our house churches as much as possible. Um, that, that, that kind of number and increase might sound really overwhelming, but it's not too bad if you think about it. If we continue to grow as we have, we'll be able to meet and exceed these numbers no problem. Last February, we started with five people, and now there are about 50 people in our community. Um, who knows how God will continue to grow this community as the months roll by. Uh, $50,000 this year is $1,000 a person or $83 a month. We're already on track to give more than $30,000 this year as a community. Um, others, some of you might give much more than that. and You're capable and God will call you to do that. Others of you might give less than that. And that's, that's fine. The amount is less important than God's work in our hearts as we give generously in support of the mission. So here's my ask of those of you who would consider yourselves regular participants in the Storyline community. And an uh, important caveat, those of you who are our guests today, um, please don't feel obligated or feel like this presentation is for you or feel like, you know, this is your first experience for us. And you're like, man, all this church talks about is money. We, we talk about a lot more than money. Give us, a, you know, give us a chance. Give us another gathering. This is for our regular participants. So for our regular participants... Will you partner with us in mission by making a financial commitment to God's work within the Storyline community? Will you join the Kaisers and the Porsches and the Cones and Deborah and the rest of us? Will you join us as we give to facilitate the work of God in this ministry? Will you give so that all of us can continue to connect to people like Bruce and Darcy and Sergio and Lowell and Cindy 
will you give so that Storyline will continue to work in the city of Dallas for the sake of justice and restoration? Pray about that ask. Pray about how God might be calling you to respond to that. And if at some point you sense that the answer is yes, you can either give at our generosity boxes. We always have one at a worship gathering. We always have one at our house church gatherings. You can put check, a check or a cash in there. As, as Ryan has alluded to, we are, we're a nonprofit organization, and so you can write us off on your taxes. That's a secondary benefit of being generous. Thank you, Uncle Sam. Um, another option is to pay through the website. We have a PayPal account. You could set up a recurring account and uh, a recurring payment, and it's as easy as that. You could do one-time payments, whatever. A lot of, a lot of us are online people. Uh, but consider, consider how you might answer this ask and how God is calling you into generosity. I want to point us back to Philippians 4 really briefly. I think it's page 806. Is that right? Yeah. At the end of this text, the second half of verse 18, Paul says that the gifts that they've given them, that they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice that's pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, uh, all, of, all of these accounts are related. And... And when we, when we give in the bank account, it connects us to God. Paul says, when we give generously, it's an act of worship. It's a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. God notices it, and He's pleased. He's worshipped by it. It's a way that we depend on God for our well-being when we give generously. And he also says, as Julie and I often say to each other, um, God has deep pockets. And God has glorious riches for all of us. When we give sacrificially, uh, God says uh, through Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, if you seek my kingdom, I will take care of the rest. I will meet your needs. I will make sure that you're provided for. God is our provider. And when we give in a sacrificial way, we are trusting the glorious riches of God in Jesus to provide for us.